All right. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to another episode of Crypto with English. So today's theme is going to be bridging the wealth gap in upward mobility, particularly in continental Africa. So one of the main, I guess you could say, attractions or one of the main features and benefits of DeFi and decentralized finance is the opportunity for upward mobility. And this is something that is very, very much in dire need all across the world. So I wanted to introduce to you all a very special entrepreneur in this space who is doing exactly that. Her project is dedicated to bridging the wealth gap across continental Africa. I'd like to warmly welcome and introduce to you all Becky Andrews. She's based out of the UAE in Dubai, and she is the founder and engineer of Metascale Labs. She's doing a lot of great things in this space, and we're going to get into the weeds about uh, the background of her project and some of the problems that you know really accompany wealth gap, you know, divisions and wealth gap, you know, issues, and how she will be using Web three technology, metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency to solve those problems. So Becky, thank you very much for coming on to the show today. Thank you so much for the warm welcome, uh, Adam. And also thank you so much for all those accolades. I do not deserve them. <laughs> I'm just trying to start something that I hope- You're way too modest. Nice. <laughs> so thank you so much for you know bringing me here to talk about uh, the potential in Africa as the world's largest undanked population. Yes. And also what Web3 and blockchain technology can do for these people and why Metascale Labs is trying to bridge that wealth gap by bringing this technology that is proving to solve the biggest problem in Africa, which is our poverty, you know, to those that really need it. And uh, of course, we're still far from getting there, but we're happy that we got started. Right. And, you know, for some context, could you tell the audience a little bit more about, you know, your background and uh, kind of how your background and your experience and your journey into Web3 and blockchain uh, kind of provided the impetus and inspiration to create this project? Absolutely. So I actually do not have any tech background. Funny enough, I study human resource management. And uh, that is because I've always wanted to be um, a powerhouse behind successful uh, people. Not necessarily successful people, but weak people that can become successful. So I've always wanted to be this person that builds those that have the potential to become what they can be. So that was the most um, uh, inspiration behind me studying human resource management. But then I went deep into blockchain back in uh, 2016. And uh, that was because I met somebody whom I was trying to make a sale to, and he was only willing to pay in Bitcoin. So at <laughs> the time I had no option but to register on a platform called localbitcoin.wasit.com.co. Uh, it's been long since I oh. used it. So from then on of course i was in love with bitcoin cryptocurrency and so on and that was my uh journey in, in cryptocurrency that was how it got started and yeah. uh the idea about uh metascale labs it actually started back in 2018 actually <laughs> i was having a conversation with a friend back then about you know the difficulty of moving money in Africa to you know other continents, the, the high rate of um, fees that is attached to that and right. how uh, they are struggling to you know ease that process for their clients. And I immediately mentioned Bitcoin. I said, what about Bitcoin? Why not just introduce Bitcoin to your clients? And he mentioned that, okay, these are really traditional, traditional clients and it is very difficult for them to even talk about something like Bitcoin back then. Right. So, the idea of setting up something that can ease this process for clients who already have money to invest into virtual assets and also using this assets to empower you know poor people 
who do not have the resources to afford virtual assets, but can somehow you know, uh, leverage the assets to make more profit for both themselves and the investor came into my mind. And this idea was proven really um, clearly during the, the NFT and P2E gaming boom last year. And right. uh, that was how Metascale Labs was born. That's the history behind it. That's the motivation behind it. We are solving a problem for the rich, and we are using that as a leverage to empower the poor. So that is the whole uh, idea of bridging the wealth gap. Awesome. That's well said. And you know, kind of uh, you know, going to maybe some of the history and sources of some of these problems. You know, in 2022, you know, I guess you know. We'd like to consider this period of time the future. And I think with global financial, with global banking, so we have the Chases and the HSBCs of the world, why is it that in, in continental Africa, these, you could say, these conveniences of modern banking are just not available or just not convenient? Because, you know, it, it, it makes, it really, it really, you know, um, it, it really comes at me as very striking considering this is 2022. <laughs> is. So, you're, so if we're able to, let's say, do everything, you know, let's say from our iPhones, so to say, then why can't banking systems reach every corner of the planet? So, you know, it really, well, it begs some serious historical and you could say um, economic questions to say the least. Absolutely. So for me, of course, everything boils down to politics. Yeah. Uh, people have reasons for doing what they do. The government in each country, of course, they have the resources, they have the power to make sure that infrastructures like banking, financial solutions are, you know, afforded, afforded to every citizen. But then <laughs> if they do that, of course, people become too difficult to control or too difficult to manage. Right. So they just somehow have to minimize the reach of wealth. And also, you know, the capacity for individuals to access this wealth has to be, you know, put at a minimal so that they can, of course, keep the power. Um, right. um, uh, what's the right word? Concentrating or, or keeping exactly. it, you know concentrating yeah exactly so they can keep it centralized as much as possible so in africa especially when you go to the bank for example they will ask for your id your days of course those are normal but then they sometimes do not um um let me give you a typical example if i go to the bank for example i don't know any any banker in person and i just want to make a deposit or withdraw my cash Man, the process is <laughs> so discouraging. So, oh. so it's like all these it obstacles is, is. and like almost pushback if you want to do like a basic transaction or exactly. need something, generally speaking. Exactly. So it is freaking difficult to even um access basic banking solutions like that easily. And yeah. then those that do not have, for example, the, the ID cards and all of that, how do right. they even get themselves banned? It is it is uh, very difficult for them. Some of them just keep their money in cash and they leave it at home. And right. also, when it comes to uh, how much you can access from your own money per month, it is limited. Yeah. If I need to access my own money, it's like I'm applying for a job that I'm not even qualified for. The process is so difficult and frustrating. So now most uh, Africans, especially Nigerians, they just store their money abroad or online where it is easier to access them from any part of the world, you know. And that is something that I believe uh, DeFi or blockchain can solve to a huge, to a large extent for Africans. Right. And as far as, let's say, the leadership in, in certain countries and certain regions, um, are they more of the problem um, as far as unbanked populations? Or do you think maybe some of the larger banks are, you know, are part of the bigger problem, too? Do you think like I wouldn't blame the more? banks. Okay. No, I wouldn't blame the banks because, uh, for example, if 
the regulations in a particular country does not, you know, permit them to go there or expand their solutions to certain people or certain right. areas. They cannot cross the boundaries. I'm sure they are aware of these challenges, but then gaining access to execute the, the needed solution is, is still a hassle. So right. I wouldn't really blame the banks. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And, you know, kind of, um, you know, moving forward from that, you know, uh, you know, Africa itself, continental Africa has, you know, the world's largest reserves of just natural resources. So, you know, this ranges Absolutely. from this ranges from, you know, petroleum, this this ranges from, you know, uh, rare earth minerals that are, you know, used in, you know, very intricate parts of either green Absolutely. technology or you could say even with even for the uh, moving parts of our very computers and iPhones and, Lattes, and, you know, and like, everything yeah. like that. And it's also yeah. the most linguistically diverse region of the, you know, of the entire world as well. So I guess if I was if I was, let's say, a third party and I was looking to invest, you know, I would look at this as a major region full of, you know, potential, you know, an opportunity and, you know, adding on to that. The most amount of, I guess you could say, crypto uh, transactions, you know, as far as pure volume moves through continental Africa, you know, actually more so than any other region of the planet. So a Absolutely. lot of it actually stems out of like Nigeria, Ghana and South Africa and, you know, Absolutely. places like that. So um, this is leading up to a question. So my question is, why do you think that, let's say, uh, Afri you know, Africans, whether this is in Nigeria, whether this is in Senegal or Ghana, why are people participating on average at a, in the crypto DeFi economy than other parts of the yeah. world because the numbers, the numbers, you know, obviously reveal that. So, you know, if of I course. was to try to get my relatives to use cryptocurrency, it'd be a resounding no. But it seems like, you know, if I was to look at Lagos, you know, from the numbers, it looks like, wow, people are buying their groceries with this. People are buying their petrol with this. You know, it's, yeah. You know, it's very uh, fascinating. So I was kind of wondering if you could provide some context on that. Okay, so that that uh, somehow goes back to what I just stated about the banking system. Yeah. So, of course, cryptocurrency gives us this ease of you know access to money and uh, how we spend it, how we can access it, how we can withdraw it, and who we can send it to without the scrutiny of you know the government, the bankers. Right. We do not need to fill a form. We do not need to be graduates. We do not need to speak big English to be able to access DeFi. Right. So which is why places like Africa, they sort of embrace this technology a lot more than other parts of the world where their banking system isn't as bad. So right. of course, it all comes down to, to, to the financial uh, uh, infrastructure in Africa. For example, in Nigeria, <laughs> of course, almost every young person in Nigeria is now aware of cryptocurrency, even right. though they are not active in it. And majority of our youth are active in cryptocurrency. So I believe that the government uh, banning commercial cryptocurrency, which they did, <laughs> Right. Uh, the government doing that was to sort of, you know, hey, stop. We know you guys are about to escape the system that we have held you in for all your life. Right. And we are not going to be part of it. So just give us a break, take a pause, and let us think how to regulate this new system to our benefit before you can freely go into it. So, of course, with all that is happening in cryptocurrency, with the whole uh, metaverse uh, um, boom and all that, Africans, even though not now so much, in the near future, Africans or Africa will be the biggest adoption center for DeFi. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would say, you know, leading up to this point, would it be fair to say um, many in Africa, whether it's in Nigeria whether it's in South Africa or some of the other regions, do do people prefer to actually keep more cash, um, I guess you could say, stored away, whether it's in their house or you could say um, just to carry cash more so than kind of like, you know, rely on a bank and maybe let's say, you know, because, you know, because I, I see this theme play out in, in many, many regions of the world where people actually prefer to keep their cash, more of their cash 
outside of the outside of banks, you know, uh, rather than you know inside. Like, um, for example, if I was going to the market in Africa, right? Yeah. I cannot go there with my debit or credit card, you know, to swipe around and all. I'll need to pay in cash. So Got many, it. you know, other services are rendered in, you know, exchange for cash. And uh, you'll be looking like a fool if you're the only one just, you know, taking <laughs> uh, cards everywhere. Of course, right. there there are more, uh, you know, exclusive areas that, you know, asset cards. But let's be fair, most people, most places will only deal in cash. And of course, the inconvenience of going to the bank, queuing right. on lines upon lines just to access maybe $100. It's, it's like it doesn't make sense. So right. you just want to keep enough cash at home to, you yeah. know, help you through some tax. Yeah. So yeah. most people don't keep cash. Got it. And as far as Metascale Labs, so, you know, the mission statement, you know, ask your company is to bridge, you know, the wealth gap, you know, throughout Africa. And, you know, looking at the website, and by the way, which I think is awesome, uh, you mentioned, <laughs> you. you know, metaverse assets. So um, talk a little bit about that, the journey of, let's say, introducing metaverse assets to you know, okay. people who are going to be future clients and uh, you know customers of Metascale Labs. Absolutely. So uh, why uh, we made that differentiating factor like uh, metaverse assets and not just virtual assets? Because right. uh, of course, people could mistake it to be any other assets. So we wanted to make sure that they understand the kind of assets we're talking about. Now, if we just go for things like just Ethereum, Bitcoin, and let's say uh, BNB. Right, Binance Smart Chain. The, exactly. So the lower uh, class, sorry to use that word, but that's what it is. So the people that we are looking to empower, right, they cannot necessarily have access to such funds. There is no way that they can we can rent out Bitcoin to these people to use and generate money. However, if we are able to get investors to buy into Web3 assets, NFTs, especially gaming NFTs, we can use these assets and rent them out to gamers for free. We can use them to generate daily revenue for themselves. And we even went a step further by, you know, um, incorporating this uh, daily revenue to, um, for also the investors. Of course, they need to be incentivized somehow to, you know, allow us to rent out their assets. So, for example, if you're an investor, we are telling you to buy a land um, in the metaverse, buy the central land, buy sandbox land, or any other, you know, right. high scale land that we know will surely generate profit for you, either in value or by the activities that you use it to do on the metaverse. And when they do, we are renting out these assets to skilled gamers or users who can build some experiences around it or use them to play games because gaming is not the only thing that makes up the metaverse. They right. can use it to do whatever else that you know can generate them daily income. And they take a percentage of that daily income, the investors take a percentage, and then the company keeps the rest. So that is what we mean by metaverse assets. Wow. So one of the major, I guess you could say, developments and I would say accomplishments of the space is playing to earn or play to earn or, you yeah. know, uh, you know, play for earning and, and things like that. So yeah. would it be fair to say uh, in Africa and continental Africa, there is a growing and robust gaming community, uh, to say the very least? Actually, it is robust, more robust than a cryptocurrency company than the uh, sorry community than the blockchain community. Gaming has been in Africa for a really, really long time, uh, especially around esports, betting and so on. Hmm. Just in Nigeria alone, we have over 60 million active uh, gamers. These are active gamers, not just <laughs> like... Uh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So... There's a huge market for, you know, blockchain games in Africa, but how, how do they, you know, really penetrate the market? 
not everybody in the gaming industry is into cryptocurrency and not everybody in cryptocurrency even knows anything about you know um, blockchain gaming and how do they access these uh, platforms how do they play the game and when they finally do realize how to do it the challenge of getting the NFT assets that you know will enable them to play to earn becomes a huge challenge because let's be honest, this NFTs doesn't come cheap. So right. that is that is um of course where we come in. We're not just providing the NFTs, we're also going to be educating these people on everything that you know the metaverse stands for, web three stands for, and why the Plato in and how they can best utilize it for themselves and all those around them. And we are also going a step further by building gaming centers for them because we know that uh, a huge challenge in Africa is this, which is uh, constant electricity, you know, um, right. strong and reliable internet connection, and also, you know, um, PCs or laptops where these games are easily played. It's not available to everybody. Most people have mobile phones, but some of these games are not even played on mobile phones. So how right. can they cope? How can they, even though we are providing providing them the NFTs, how can they come up and play the games, in, you know, to end for free? So we are taking a step to you know make this uh, environment this community that is fully furnished for them to just come and play for free got it and uh could you provide some examples of like the types of uh games that uh that will be available in this ecosystem okay so we are looking at games like of course, as Infinity will be one of them because it is the most popular right. and the most uh, the most accessible, and it's also uh, I think uh, available on mobile. So it is one of them. Another game that we're looking to partner with is um, Gala Games. Uh, okay. They have a host of you know triple uh, A games in under their development, and that is one that we're looking to partner with. Illusion right. is also one of them. Star Atlas is also one of them. So we have a number of uh, games that will be available in the ecosystem. Awesome. And you personally, have you do you play or actively play any uh, online games, whether they're like you know metaverse or NFT NFT based or otherwise? Of course, for me to even, even think of, you know, the next steps and the next step and the next step, I have to get my hands dirty. <laughs> I have to try it out and see what actually, you know, the processes are, you know, the, the potential of the earning, you know, the upsides and the downsides. So, of course, right. I tried as Infinity, but I'm more addicted to the Gala game, um, okay. Townstar. Yeah. Because, I heard of that uh, one. I haven't played that one yet, yeah. but I have played Axie before. That, so. The quality is, is like completely different when it comes to As Infinity. The quality is like, you know, the real world games that you would really spend hours playing. As a teenager, I've played a lot of, you know, uh, uh, like battle, PlayStation or Xbox or battle games with uh, Mortal Kombat and so on with my Oh, brothers. wow. Yeah. yeah. I grew <laughs> so, up on all I that really... Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and Tekken. And... Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I really Speaking love my language. You know, exactly. So uh, Gala games sort of have that sort of uh, that quality of games and that is why I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more addicted to their townster. But uh, right. I also tried out Titan Arena which was also fun. Uh, yeah, so yes, I do play the games, but um, I can't say I'm active. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, listen, that is, you know, that is absolutely awesome. And in fact, uh, I think it's very, very appealing that you could effectively play these metaverse games and earn a stream yeah. of income, you know, from that. Like, like, wow, if I was thinking when I was a kid, when you know, if I was playing video games or computer games and I was making money at the same time, <laughs> it would have been incredible. <laughs> I probably could have retired already. I played a lot of games when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, like, um, yeah. I, like, you know, I think when it, at least when it comes to online PC games, you know, they had like Doom and Quake and like, you know, those first person like type of, um, you know, shooting games and stuff like that. So Half-Life. I mean, this is from a long time ago, but <laughs> but I'm thinking about this. You know, this is going to create an incredible, you could say, parallel or secondary economy, you know, both in like this DeFi space and, you know, I guess, you know, as to the traditional 
econ you know economies of of the world and by the way like you know if you're a gamer you can essentially be playing this earning an income and let's be honest you don't have to worry about a huge tax coming off your no. off your earnings right off the top either you know i know how that <laughs> hey feels. mom and dad i'm going to work today i'm just gonna <laughs> you know, know imagine right? if you know his kids now and i have a son too so he might be saying that to me in the near future yeah so actually when when i think back on it at first i was uh sort of inspired by the whole feeling of you know uh, for example, the gaming centers, uh, people right. ask me, why, why didn't you just, you know, do it based on, you know, the online stuff? Everybody is, you know, uh, you know, there are so many gaming guilds and they are all based online. Right. Uh, also, there are gaming scholars, uh, scholarship uh, companies like Yu-Gi-Oh! Games and they are based online. Why do you want to create gaming centers? And I'm like, okay, because I remember the feeling of, you know, playing games yeah. amongst people. Yeah. And I, I also remember back in Africa, right? There's this um this impact when it comes to, you know, going out there to watch football yeah. together. Although they're going to bed or maybe play the eSport games, but they want to go out there, no matter how furnished, no matter how nice their homes look, they want to be in the midst of people like them. And yeah. that sort of was the main reason why eSport uh, games, you know, took uh, a really, really fast uh, turn in Africa because of the physical uh, and social interaction. interaction. Yeah. Exactly. So when I thought about uh, we going to Africa to now deliver blockchain gaming for people, and they are not just coming to waste their own money or even bet on anything, right. they're just coming to have fun and get paid uh, in return. People were like, of course, they, they have to get used to the uh, to the online platform. I said, no, <laughs> no, no, no. I want to use what they are already aware of and match it to something that they are not aware of. At least let one of the you know aspects of gaming, blockchain gaming, be familiar enough for them to adopt it, for it to you know uh, penetrate the market as fast as possible. So, yes, that's the whole idea of, you know, not just the gaming, but delivering it to them the way that they will accept it. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I think it's great that you're looking to create more of these gaming centers. Because I have to say, um, you know, before like the various recessions, I used to see a lot more of these gaming centers, you know, around. And, you know, they were relatively big. Um, you, you literally just see rows of computers full of exactly. gamers. It goes... I've, you know, you see players, you know, as, as old as your grandparents, you see players as, as young as like middle school I kids. Know, and it right? was like very, it's very like, you know, surreal. And, you know, um, I think one of the great things about it was, is that um, it was a great way to create these gaming communities. And to be honest, like these are, these communities and guilds, these are the type of groups that would go to like these you know, bigger gaming competitions where you can win like 25,000, exactly. 50,000, 100,000, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you know, prizes, so to say. So there is like a real genuine, you know, monetary incentive to this. And I think if you're already playing in like a in a metaverse type of gaming ecosystem, so you're yeah. already making money while also, I guess you could say, becoming a better player in the process. And exactly. then you could also yeah. have these bigger events that come out of it, you know, as and, well. And exactly. And more than that, they are getting the opportunity to meet uh, like-minded uh, people and yeah. also uh, the opportunity to be trained because another reason for the gaming centers is not just for the social interaction, but it also provides us, uh, uh, I mean, the team, an opportunity to train these people Yeah, because Let's be honest, there is, is, you know, learning something from the screen and, you know, being directed physically on how to do it is, is not a is not a, uh, the same uh, feeling. And it's, it's not, you know, the, the process of learning and uh, getting uh, it right is not the same. So right. we are going to be using these gaming centers as training centers as well, where we right. can really accelerate the, uh, the education of web3 DeFi, blockchain gaming and so much more yeah. right and with your company metaskill labs 
you know, to, I guess you could say to better, you know, uh, I guess you could say optimize some of these tools and functions of, will you be coming out with your own NFT and token for, uh, you know, well, Yes, we'll be having our own token, but not NFT because, um, of course, that's the basis of it all. We we do not want to create our own game or our own NFT. We want to partner with those that do that best. Yeah. Of course, we can't do everything <laughs> everything right. by ourselves. I believe in you know uh, going with the flow, and the flow in DeFi in blockchain is really really fast. And right. if we are to develop our own NFT, it will take us forever to execute all of these things. So instead, we are partnering with those that have already executed it and doing it really well. And as for the token, yes, we'll be having our own token, but not immediately. It will yeah. be after some time. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I would imagine, you know, generating, creating and kind of having the ecosystem to buy and sell tokens. It's going to require a lot of electricity, without a doubt. The, the exactly. power, yeah, the power expend, expenditure alone is going to be very, very expensive, exactly. you know, to say the least. But I will say this, you know, once you have like a very enthusiastic, passionate, um, you know, gaming community, which inevitably you will, I think without a doubt, you know, it's going to be much easier to create a token. And in fact, I think many of your community, they're just going to offer to create, you know, some aspect or assist in some aspect of, of creating that token. So. And, yeah. and the thing is, uh, the thing is, we're not just, you know, looking to give people uh, money. We want yeah. them to know why they're getting the money, where they're getting the money and how they can do it by themselves. So right. it's not something that, uh, okay, just like a charity case. No, we're just, you know, forming this, we're just sort of putting ourselves in the middle and helping them to cross over to the next stage, which they already can. We're just, right. you know, trying to be the bridge for them. Yeah. You know what I think is great about this, too? If you think about maybe the way the world was before the pandemic, you know, just the commute to your to your work, you know, there's a significant amount of costs, you know, often in your transportation costs, you know, often in your own personal energy costs. You know, you kind of need to consume more coffee or more food to kind of have the energy to be like moving back and forth across the city or just getting to where you are. I think with a you could say a virtual gaming metaverse ecosystem you can actually save on a lot of those traditional you could say workforce you know uh commuting or you know you could say uh you know transportation costs you know whether you're driving Absolutely. whether you're taking public transportation you know and by the way like you know those things add up so like you know even if it's up here let's say in new york city and northern new jersey when like let's say the New Jersey Transit raises fares even just one dollar. It's a big deal, and it really it does. You know, yeah. It really yeah. adds up, so to say. And you know, that's not even talking the current price on crossing the bridges and tunnels, <laughs> which is like twenty bucks, pretty much. You know, and, and you know, and you know, the unexpected uh, disasters that could happen, and would just suddenly make that even worse. Like right, uh, the Russia-Ukraine war just practically. Um, increase the cost of uh fuel in, in electricity oh, yeah. so just imagine that yeah yeah absolutely so yes uh so somebody was asking me a member of the team she was asking me okay so wouldn't the cost be too much to handle for running a physical gaming station and uh of course the the cost will be high but it isn't for like thousands or millions of people it is just for the first set of players we right. need to have an office anyways but we'll yeah. rather have a gaming center rather than uh an exclusive office for investment so right this is just for the first set of hundreds of players and also when they are being educated and you know earn enough money to afford their own laptops and you know to be able to power their own homes to play online. They can, it's more like a process. They can pass out and others can come um, into the gaming stations to pass through the same process. So the online platform is in development and right. it will be released at some point of the year. But for a start, we are going with physical gaming stations 
just to you know uh, remove those initial barriers for our players. But it isn't right. going to be like physical stations for a long time. Yeah. Right. And will Metascale Labs, will you be coming out with like your own wallets for individual like players and, and users if they wish to, let's say, you know, participate and start earning money, you know, through this, you know, gaming ecosystem? Okay, so until the online platform is uh, ready, then yeah. the, of course, wallets, individuals can connect their own wallets and all that. Uh, of course, we're looking to build the, the needed software to manage that process. But for now, it will be, you know, the wallets that will be managed by the company. Of course, yes. as a stretch, I mean, Africa is not, uh, everything is not as straightforward as it is, you know, in other parts of the world. So we have to use what is available to us to make the best out of it. Got it. And uh, talk about some of the, you know, virtual asset management, uh, you know, functions that Metascale Labs is offering, you know, people who want to, let's say, develop a portfolio. Let's say, you know, let's say, you know, you have the gaming, you know, you could say pillar of this business. But let's say, too, you want to, you know, participate in this, you know, gaming ecosystem where you earn money. But it's like, you know what? I think I want to start building a nest egg. I think I want to start building some like short term and like long term assets. So talk a little bit about that as far as, you know, what you offer and maybe some of the education and things, you know, Metascale Labs offers as well. Okay, so in the aspect of a gamer, let's say you're a gamer, you'll be earning money, and now you want to uh, invest into a virtual asset yourself. In yeah. that case, uh, we offer this solution as a, a, a separate service. So it comes out, for example, um, for a gamer who want to own their own asset, we simply uh, give you a list of the best performing assets in the market at the time. So we are not just restricting you to, okay, buy this particular one because this is the one that we like or buy that particular one because this is the one that we, we don't uh, like. No, right. we are going to show you live data based on the best uh, performing assets in the market. And you can choose which one that you can afford. Of course, the affordability comes first. <laughs> Right, absolutely. <laughs> and then you can look at the, the one that suits you best. Of course, all the data regarding their potential long-term value or return on investment will be given out to the client, whether you're a gamer or the investor. So yeah. you'll, you'll have access to all that. Of course, there are experts in this domain, investment analysts and strategists who are really good at that. So you'll gain access to the reason or the why and the how of each asset under our portfolio, and you can choose which one you want to go for. And over time, if you want to keep the asset in your own wallet, we charge you a 5% management fee or advisory fee, Yes. which is for almost every investor. But if you want to keep it under our management, which means we can rent it out to another gamer who can use it to earn money. So in that case, you are gaining access to an apportioned uh, amount of the daily revenue generated by the gamer and the asset still belongs to you. So you can build your portfolio over time, gain more money from the gamings and also buy more asset and so on. But we have experts that, you know, take care of this. That's awesome. So, you know, essentially you're you're playing to earn, you could say, uh, stream of income through Metascale Labs. This can actually feed into, let's say, other functions and other services that, you know, Metascale Labs offer. Absolutely. And also yeah. another of our solution is uh, um, what they call it. We also offer a blockchain advisory for government institutions. So this is uh, something that is uh, much needed in the region because of, you know, the, the, how will I put it, inconsistent regulations around cryptocurrency. Sure. You know, one day they're out, we're banning cryptocurrency. Another day they're out saying, oh, we're just banning commercial cryptocurrency. Sure. So it is, it is a bit confusing and we realize that, okay, uh, somehow they will need, uh, especially the government, they need, uh, um, expert support in services in the aspect of uh, cryptocurrency regulations, legalization, and also the, the software development around those uh, regulations. So 
will be offering that because one of the solutions that we offer virtual asset advisory management is targeted towards the elites and some of them are politicians anyways. So it is uh, an easier route for also, you know, also offer blockchain advisory for some of the institutions that they, um, they manage. Awesome. And I want to know uh, your thoughts on buying land and buying real estate in the metaverse. Now, this is something that's been getting a lot more attention over the past six plus months, but people spending millions of dollars essentially buying virtual land across the, uh, the metaverse. What do you think about that as an asset class of the future? Okay, so for me, when people ask me about uh, metaverse land, I ask them about physical land. Like, okay, you, you're okay um, spending millions of dollars buying a physical land or a physical apartment. And then the, the, the government or the, the developer is promising you about 5% or 4% uh, return on investment per year. So that is for a developed land. For undeveloped land, it is even much less. But when it comes to virtual land, you're like, oh, it's not worth it. Oh, why should I spend a million dollars buying a land? It is the same thing. Just think of it as a physical asset, but even much better because now you do not need to pay for any government fees, sure. uh, real estate license, blah, 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 blah. All Permits these or anything like that. Yeah. Exactly. You do not need to pay for that. And if it was an apartment, you do not also need to pay for maintenance, management fees, for electricity right. costs. You do not need to worry about a tenant coming into your house, breaking all of your you know, items. Sure. You don't have to know all of that headache is taken care of. And also the possibility of your asset gaining more than 20 to 50% value year on year is even higher than a physical land. So in that yeah. case, it is a win-win bet for you if you are a real estate investor or if you're an investor who is uh, future-minded. Of course, our metaverse lands are, are a go-get for me. Wow, that's, yeah. And by the way, that makes a tremendous amount of sense too. If you think about what generally goes into purchasing or acquiring a piece of land, the I guess you could say the amount of fees associated with whether you're, you know, paying it, paying really like a broker fee to the realtor, you're spending money on attorneys, uh, then there's, you know, the, you know, state and, you know, federal taxes. And if you want to change something, you need to get like a, you need to get various permits or you need to see something <laughs> called a variance where exactly. you know, it, it, that these, these processes can end up taking many, many months or even up to, you know, up to a year, you know, in, in many cases. All the while your land on the metaverse is appreciating in value. Right. Absolutely. So well, I was, I was having a similar discussion with uh, a real estate agent and he was like, no, he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't advise his client to buy a metaverse land. Okay, now when I mentioned a few of these points, he said, then what about the scams? I said, what about them? Haven't you heard or There's seen- scams in real life too. Scams in <laughs> <Yeah>. real life. <laughs> like, people spend millions of dollars buying a property that does not exist or even oh, belong yeah. to the agents that you know claim it belongs to this things happen in real life too so don't don't tell me about scams in oh, that yeah. case go Absolutely. through the right process go through a, a reputable agency go through a reputable developer if you're not sure what to do spend a little bit more on lands like sandbox or decentraland rather than rather than going for cheaper ones just because they're cheap but they they're not reputable you don't know if they'll even be here in a year time or so right well, just spend a little bit more and acquire the ones that you know will be here for the long term yeah. right and you know to add to your point too there are so many examples of you could say genuine you could say physical real estate scams where either through let's say a broker or a financial investor where they're essentially taking their clients's money effectively exactly. putting it into like let's say like a non-existent um piece of land or they're telling you they're putting your money into that and in fact they're <laughs> people, not people have lost hundreds of millions for example and, and i try to tell them i try to tell uh for example the agent that look if you are my client in 
I am buying a land for you on, let's say, the central land. Right. And I tell you that that land costs $12,000. You will see $12,000 paid for that land. Right. It won't cost you anything more. That is like the power of blockchain. You will see it on, on the Explorer that I really spent that money in acquiring that piece of land for you. It's not like right. you no know, discounts around you know, physical lands where agency will add their own commission, their own price, and everybody has to take their own cut in between. At the end of the day, who, who pays for it? The investor. Right. That's a very good point. And, you know, uh, I have to say there's a lot of things that are also out of your control. And by the way, I am not dismissing or discouraging people buying physical real estate. But just to point out some of the practical realities, yeah. there are a lot of things that are out of your control too. So let's say if I, if I hypothetically buy a parcel of land, but let's say next door to me, a factory gets a permit and a variance to build a factory next door. So let's say if yeah. I spent, let's say if that piece of land, that parcel was maybe, let's say $100,000, that alone could probably drop to like fifty. Maybe less than that, because you know nobody's going to want to like live next to oh, like a toxic waste dump, or you know, with smoke and the, fumes the sound and, and the sound exactly. Yeah, you know? so absolutely. I think of and and the truth is, this is just the beginning. And why there's so much resistance at this point is because, of course, the fear of the unknown. Uh, humans are we tend to you know get against something that we do not really understand. Right or fully understand. So it's not necessarily because it is bad, we just haven't gotten the time to understand it better or even try to understand it. So, which is, you know, the biggest resistance that we're facing at this point. Right, and, and I agree with that. And, you know, even till this day, you know, there's a lot of people that still, you know, put faith in like, you know, 401ks and, you know, you know anybody who's, you know, looked at the news in the past two and a half years, the, just, the tremendous amount of losses people have had to endure because of, you know, things that have happened in the economy. And Some the have committed suicide. You know, Unfortunately, yeah. Bankrupt and all that. And funny, you yeah. know, these people only see, you know, the, the bad news around cryptocurrency, right. but they do not see the good ones. And they do not also see the bad ones around the 401k, like you mentioned. They only see right. the good ones. So I think it is just fear of the unknown. And what we are looking to do is to, you know, educate people, sensitize them more around what we, the value that we are trying to bring to them so that they yeah. can jump on board before it's too late for them, especially in Africa. Uh, I know I have seen the trains, I've, I've done my research and I believe strongly that this is the future. Not yeah. necessarily just the metaphors, but cryptocurrency, digital currency is the future. And yeah. uh, I just uh, feel a little bit sad that, you know, um, those in power, those with the resources, those with the money cannot really uh, see this future right in front of them yet. And they are waiting to be the ones that, you know, will, will buy uh, from um, other continents or other countries sure. at a higher rate. So I just feel sad about it, uh, about that here. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And, you know, um, by the way, I have to say when it comes to even like, you know, 401ks, you know, like I mentioned, I still come across people who still like, you know, still put a significant amount of, let's say, money away in that and still kind of, you know, believe in it. And let's say, like you said, still kind of parrot and repeat the traditional crypto and blockchain, you know, uh, critiques. And I have to say, you know, when it comes to a 401k, I feel like it gives you the impression of having control, but you really don't. You're and what I, mean, what I mean is this, because... Not, not even say, a single control. Right, because yeah. I had a... You have more had, control in cryptocurrency than... Well, that's what I mean. So, like, you know, just to kind of, you know, give, a, give some context, some personal context to this. I remember when I set up a 401k a long time ago. And by the way, I... I stopped, you know, a while ago too, but it's like, they give you essentially a very, very long, either like list of securities to kind of essentially match your 401k to. So essentially the money you have in your 401k is going to track the prices of these various investments. And by the way, like, or you could pick like one of maybe 12 or 20 different 
pools, I guess you could say, of of investments. So I actually chose to kind of go through them personally and like kind of create my own. But you know what? It's extreme. A, it's extremely time consuming. But B, these are a lot of things I have not even heard of. And I don't think most people have heard of. So like, I look at the 401ks and it's like, okay, so how is the value going to be calculated if I have, let's say, you know, volatile stuff because I want this to appreciate, but then I also have like super safe stuff at the same time too. Some of this is on the Dow Jones. Some of it is on the NASDAQ, but some of it's not. So there's so much going on. It's, it's, I feel like I'm in the position where whoever's well, controlling the fund could tell me what it's worth. And I, exactly. I don't really have a lot of bargaining power. Exactly. So you know? uh, those will all really like are based on this traditional form of investment. You yeah. can just, you know, uh, introduce um, what they call it, a better option for them. Mm -hmm. I think uh, token sets, um, they have this investment option where they have a, a bunch of metaverse um, um, metaverse tokens yeah. under one. So you just buy uh, one uh, asset, but then it actually includes a portion, a, a tiny, tiny portion of different um, metaverse assets. I've yeah. forgotten the name, but I, I know they have uh, something like that. So right. it's, it's similar to this, you know, traditional uh, structure of investment, but of course, this this is uh, paying off for those that really did it here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of, you know, going off of that, if you actually just, you know, bought Bitcoin or Ethereum on a good day, I mean, you can have like 15% plus gains from that. Not to say you won't have losses either, but <laughs> over these past few years, I think it's I think it's pretty fair to say Bitcoin and Ethereum have proven their value. And, and it, they have proven to be safe havens for yeah. you know, storing wealth. And uh, it's so sad that some people still can't accept that because they are so, uh, you know, focused on the short-term losses. Uh, yeah. Or they know somebody who got uh, frauded by someone sure. who promised them cryptocurrency or because they themselves tried to buy cryptocurrency at the wrong time and they made right. a lot of losses. No, it's it's like just forget about the short-term losses and look at the long term. Look right. at Bitcoin from uh, from 2016. It was right. trading around uh, $400 at a time. So look at that yeah. to now. Just right. imagine uh 2017 it was like oh my god you know the boom of bitcoin blah 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 right. was jumping in and then 2018 it was like really really sad right because that's uh, what it tanked and a lot of people lost money yeah i remember that <laughs> no, like really really sorrowful moment even yeah. for myself <laughs> it's, it's, yeah it's pretty pretty sad and depressing yeah <laughs> but then i'm still here because I saw and I still see the long term, you know, bargain, not the short term. Short right. term, I felt it wasn't worth it, but long right. term, I know this is the future. And whether it is, you know, painful or it cost me anything, I'm willing to make that bet for now until I arrive at that spot that I know it's taking me to. Yeah. And by the way, and this is to provide an opinion, this isn't just my opinion. In fact, there's a lot of scholarship you know, written on this as well. But if let's say if you look at the traditional, you know, stock market, so you think of like the NASDAQ, you think of the Dow, you know, those values and those stocks, they don't represent an accurate picture of, I guess you could say, the overall, you know, middle class population's wealth. So like, you know, a lot of times when the news focuses on the stock market, obviously when the stock market does bad, it affects a lot of things as well. But they've also, it's also been ascertained that most of the stocks that we see publicly traded and covered, they're mostly owned by hedge funds. And they're, and, you know, kind of, you could say, um, you know, angel invest, not, not angel investors, but they're mostly, you know, owned by funds and you know kind of groups that are similar to that so it's it kind of makes me wonder how much control do you have as an individual just participating in a basic sense 
the stock market where you could say the top 50 stocks in which you could say the economy is more or less basing its value around how how accurate a does that reflect to your personal experience but also how many but imagine how much of what goes on in the economy is also out of your control if, if, i if, think what you see is just and how much control or how much of that is true just depends on how much the government say it is or right. the, the people the the hedge fund says it is right it doesn't need to be backed by any fact or any number they just right well that's well that's what i mean because like you know you always hear probably growing up like oh it's good to invest in in stocks and things like that and you know to an extent there is some truth in that but that truth isn't as powerful now i think and yes. you know through various i guess you could say information and research you see like sovereign wealth funds you see hedge funds they're kind of the ones that let's say move the pieces on this on this you know chessboard so to say so you know if uh let's say the federal reserve starts to print more currency if let's say amazon or tesla something happens to them you know that really causes a lot of ripples you know across the economy which let's say you as an individual are not going to have a whole lot of let's say wiggle room to kind of pivot from you know what, you know what i mean so exactly so uh of course um while i'm not in the u.s and i haven't been there before uh i understand as a crypto trader and investor right. that almost every decision that the u.s makes about their, you know about yeah. their currencies you know their uh how much they're printing how much they're giving out to the public the borrowing power and everything it affects right almost every economy in the world and it right. also affects cryptocurrency so in the case of uh of course uh everybody's crying inflation 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 and during the COVID, uh i think they printed loads of money and you know right that sort of affected of course even cryptocurrency and now just the, the thought of them doing that again <laughs> you know, sort of right. accelerated or rather, rather increased the the recent um, cryptocurrency market crash right. even before the Russian war. So I can imagine the impact that that would have right. on every economy in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, to kind of take the point a step further, if the economy, let's say if the stock market, whether it's here in the U.S. or overseas, if it was actually... If it actually comprised or consisted mostly of, you know, individual investors who are simply looking to invest, I don't think you would have all of these, you could say, um, chaotic, haphazard recessions happening. I don't think most people are geared to be, you know, doing a whole lot of risk taking, like individually. People don't go into the stock market, stock market generally speaking, to do risky moves in fact most people in my experience who i know who like to invest they want to do something that's kind of safe and something that's kind of predictable and something that slowly increases you know over time so if i was to if, so if i was to conceptualize the stock market if it's of mostly private citizens looking to let's say create some sort of savings in the future then to be honest you probably wouldn't have a culture or a cycle of kind of the up and down recessions that we have because i don't think most people are geared like that if let's say the stock market was mostly just individual people looking to save and you know invest yeah actually um that is why we have hedge funds i believe so yeah. uh shortly before i started metascale labs i was managing portfolios cryptocurrency portfolios for individuals and believe me <laughs> That was the most hectic moment of my life. I can imagine. So people do not want to take risk, although they want all that comes, all the benefits that comes from such risk. They right. are not willing to take responsibility for the risk. So right. we have, you know, people like me or let's say the hedge funds who are coming to tell you that, look, 
it isn't really as bad. You know, they paint this beautiful <laughs> picture for you to see right. so that, you know, you wouldn't just feel too scared to, uh, you know, to separate your money, to let go of your money and let them use it the way they want. So right. in my case, I had to give them guarantees like, okay, yeah. fine. If you are scared of, you know, making this move, I will make it for you. You give me your money. Oh, I, I will invest it into different asset classes and yes. that's cryptocurrencies. I can buy NFT with it. I can buy Bitcoin. Of course, I didn't buy Bitcoin with their money because Bitcoin moved too slow for me. <laughs> so right. I, I bought into different, you know, DeFi altcoins. And I gave them a guarantee that at the end of the month, you will receive your capital plus this amount of profit. Sure. However, if you want all of your profit and your capital, then I am taking zero risk. Meaning if the market goes down, it's not my business. You yeah. already know what market you're investing into. But if it goes up, all the profit belongs to you. Just pay me my fees and that is it. However, if you want me to take responsibility for your asset, for your capital, you do right. not want anything to happen to your capital, whether the market goes up or down, and you still want your profit. In that case, this is what will happen to your profit. You will have your capital at the end of the, you know, the agreed time, right. but you will not have your full profit because now I'm taking the risk for you. You are going to take a percentage of the profit. So yeah. that is what I did. And believe me, it was really, really traumatic, you know, taking such yeah. risk for for people who only want the good side and not the bad side. Right. So, yeah, when it comes to risk, I, I really understand that about investment. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's a that's a great little tale and lesson, you know, uh, right there as well. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people do. And by the way, to play devil's advocate here, I think a lot of people do want to enter the market, play it safe, but have all the benefits of taking they those risky moves the risk. that make you a lot of money. Absolutely. They don't want the risk. <clears throat> and it is it is really sad because the cryptocurrency market and almost anything worth fighting for, you know, comes with risk. The higher the risk, the higher the benefit, the higher Absolutely. the profit. So if you want only such, you know, high amount of profit and you do not want to take any risk at all, then that's that's rather sad. And of yeah. course, you, you open room for people to take advantage of you. And it's not everybody that will be so kind to, you know, lay the cards out for you to see. Okay, right. this is what you're putting. This is what you could get. And if this doesn't happen, this is no, like, the hedge funds that you know we are calling out today, they are taking the risk. That's what they're doing. Right. Most of them are taking the risk and they will not tell you all the possibilities, all the cards that are available for you to play. They will only show you what they know that can make right. you buy into them. And that is right. what is going on so far in the traditional investment market. And uh, I hope that will be different in right. uh, DeFi and you know across Web3. Well said. So, you know, moving forward to our last question. So for 2022, what does Metascale Labs have planned as far as goals and milestones that uh, you and your company want to achieve this year? Well, uh, of course, we have a lot planned out, almost right. everything, because uh, we haven't started operations yet. We're looking to start operations by next month. So, of course, that is one of the things that we are trying to do. We are registered in London last year, yes. but then we're looking to get a local license before we can start operations. And uh, that has been like a huge setback. But yeah, we're looking forward to great results by the beginning of next month. Yeah, so that is one of the major milestones that we have to cover this year. And moving on, of course, the commencement of the the gaming uh, scholarship and also you know, recruiting gamers and users and recruiting trainers who can train these people, you know, to the level where they are, you know, um, um, productive. Yeah. Right. And also we are, uh, we are looking to uh, launch our freelance marketplace by the end of the year, because, um, while uh, we are trying to train people with uh, 
we need a skills to survive in Web3. We do not want them to, you know, just finish their training and have nowhere else to go, how to do it or where to offer services. So much more than that, uh, of course, that the hike in uh, blockchain uh, um, jobs in the market and, you know, the, the what they call it, the lack of, you know, needed experts to fill these rules you know, right. give uh, the, the need for a freelance marketplace where these experts can actually take on more than one role at a time and offer their solutions to different uh, um, clients. So, of course, that is also on our roadmap. And, of course, the the investment um, that is reaching out to traditional investors in Africa to, you know, buy metaverse assets or lands, <laughs> that is our priority, of course, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. And uh, of course, um, many other things on the pipeline, many other things. That's awesome. You know, I, I have one more question. It's a little abstract, but speaking of, you know, metaverse and buying, you know, metaverse assets and metaverse lands, do you think that, you know, you could have a metaverse type of open world or a map where essentially like you buy parcels of land you know, next to, let's say, a river, a virtual river in the metaverse, or, you know, you could say you buy, you buy parcels of land facing a city, facing some kind of waterfront, and those, you know, essentially those lands, you know, uh, are worth more in value and maybe probably accrue more value over time, or, you know, you buy certain parcels that just have a beautiful view, and, you know, those even kind of accrue in value over time as well. And then at the same time, too, if you have parcels of land that are just too far away from everything, you know, those tend to be, you know, cheaper. Actually, it is already so with uh, Sandbox and also Decentraland. It is so already. Oh, yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to buy some um, parcels of land that is close to really popular uh, area or big estates, the price is completely different from those that, you know, are spotted just among, you know, the crowd. So, right. yeah, I think that is already happening. And also uh, lands that is close to the sea um, for sandbox, lands yes. that you know is close to the river or the sea cost way more than those that are inland that have no access to the beach or sea, <laughs> yeah. So by the way, everybody keep in mind, you can buy a parcel of land in the metaverse close to the sea and you don't really have to worry about flooding. <laughs> you, <laughs> Absolutely. You, you get a good, valuable piece of land and you don't have to buy flood insurance. You don't have to worry about like, you know, you don't have to worry about the tides that or water funny. levels rising too. So yeah, <laughs> food Absolutely. for thought, everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, Listen. so I, I'll be happy to, you know, see you all taking advantage of this opportunity of a century because the world is changing. And yeah. You do not have to do this through any company. You do not have to do this through Metascale Labs. You can do this by yourself as an individual and take full control of your future, take full control of your finances. That is the power that decentralized finance offers you. You can do all of this by yourself and, you know, just carve a spot, a, uh, a pie for yourself, you know, in the in the future of Web Absolutely. Three. Well said. And uh, I don't think I can add anything more to that to, uh, you know, better, you know, articulate the point. So, Becky, thank you very much for coming on. Thank today. you so much, Adam, for the invitation. I really appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. Yes, likewise. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Metascale Labs has in store for the rest of the year. So please keep me posted. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'd love to have you back on maybe uh, later this year as well. And we can, you know, pick up from here. And, uh, you know, discuss, uh, you know, everything else that's going on with the gaming centers and the, the metaverse assets and all this other stuff. So absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye.